Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. A lot can happen in three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at uh1.com. That's the second time it's gone off. They never go home, they never go home, they never go home, those, those, those boys. That's... Yeah. <laughs> they have asked for that, really. Uh, you can laugh. I'm the World Cup. I'm a little bit of an idealist, but having said that, I want to be like me. What are you talking about? What did you want? I'd like to stay alive. I'd like to stay alive. I'd say it to you, face. I'll say it to you now. I'm down 12 field. I'm going to see them. What are you doing down here, you're showing me, man? We're recording this Irish Times Second Captain's Football podcast on Thursday afternoon. Owen and Ken. Right here, both here. Hi, Ken. How are you doing, Owen? Uh, the news has just been confirmed. I'm just putting a timeline on this because the news has just been confirmed that Pedro has signed for Chelsea. Wow. I'm, I'm just wondering, Ken. Did, did, right, okay. This Chelsea statement, right? It's yeah. your predictable outline of how great a player this is. They're signing, how pleased everyone is that he's signing. But aren't Chelsea aiming a subtle dig at Manchester United for losing out in his signature? Right. The Spaniard arrives this is the same, as a highly coveted winger who can also play as a central striker. He's proven at the very highest level and already possesses an impressive medal hall. Now, they could have gone for pacey winger there. Uh-huh. They could have gone for electric winger, anything they want. But they went for... Highly coveted winger. Highly coveted. Other clubs were looking for him, but we're the ones who got him. Am I reading too much into this? I don't think so. And I think um, there's nothing quite so attractive as knowing that the thing is coveted by somebody else, a rival especially. Um, Chelsea have signed a player, Pedro. I don't know why, uh, apart from the fact that Manchester United wanted to sign him, and Chelsea sometimes like to do this. Um, Usually it's Tottenham who they bully. Uh, but on this occasion, it's Manchester United. It's a funny, really funny transfer because everybody seems to be pretending they, or on the Manchester United side of it, they're saying, I mean, there's spin coming out that Van Hal didn't want him. Um, the supporters are all as one saying, we didn't want that guy. And, uh, you know, but it did seem as though Edward Woodward was in Barcelona trying to sign him. <laughs> So unless they're really just, you know, mocking Edward Woodward now, just sending him off and fool. Like, Woodward, will you go and bring us back a glass hammer? You know what I mean? Unless it's got to that level with Woodward. Um, I think the um, uh, I think I think they probably are some hurt feelings there, Manchester United. Your theory about Chelsea buying him just to stop him signing for Manchester United, almost by definition, that means that Chelsea do rate him, though. If they're paying €30 million pounds to keep this guy away... 30 million from Euros. 30 million euro to keep this guy away from Manchester United, they must feel, well, that, that's because he can contribute. In fact, I think it's more than a surety they're buying him because they think he's just a very good player who can make an impact for them. He's a good player. Um, he, I, I would imagine he, he probably will have more of an impact than somebody like uh, Cuadrado, who, who Jose Mourinho clearly doesn't rate. Um, 
Yeah, I mean, I think yeah, but it it is. I mean, look, it's they clearly only want him because Manchester United did. It's it's mimetic design, and that's how we know we want anything. Is how is is really that other people want it. Mm. So you know, we've got these agreed upon conventions. We're all supposed to want gold for some reason. Everybody seems to want it. So you know, why not? Uh, you know, we've we, we there's nothing that other, the, the other people being interested in something is one of the most. One of the sexiest aspects anything can can have. So Pedro's got that going for him, at least at this point. But I just have a, a few words of caution. Go on. For Pedro. Let's start the report on sport. Get into those words of caution. Here are my words of caution for uh, Pedro, formerly Pedrito, Pedrito of uh, Barcelona. They are Duff, Robin, Wright, Phillips, Kalu, Maluda, William, Atsu, De Bruyne, Salah, Mata... Quadrado and Schurler. I think I see where you're going with this game. So, I mean, we got a bunch of players there who played in a Pedro-like position for Jose Mourinho's Chelsea who ended up on the, um, the boneyard. Uh, it's not a setup. Jose Mourinho does not uh, field teams in which the players in that position tend to covered themselves in glory. Um, what he wants from a winger is for them to run their legs to stumps and to tackle, 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 tackle. Um, similar to the way Oscar evolved. Oscar, once the uh, most exciting young attacking playmaker in Brazil, now this uh, this shadow man uh, who apparently... I mean, if Pedro's coming in, it's... I'm not sure it's all that good news for Oscar. I mean, they could play together. Uh, there's Will, there's William. I mean, William isn't even on that list. No, sorry, William is on that list. William is still on the team. Yeah, William's still on the team. But, like, when was the last time William scored a goal? This guy used to score. He used to be a, an exciting player. He played for Shakhtar Donetsk. He was an exciting player. You know, he was a player a lot of teams wanted to sign. And it wasn't because he ran up and down all day like, um, like Jeff Kenna. But that's what he does now. You know, uh, uh, Damien Duff was the most exciting winger in the Premier League when Jose Mourinho arrived at Chelsea. He was not the most exciting winger in the Premier League by the time he left Chelsea two years later. He had a couple of Premier League title medals, but he wasn't the same type of player that he was. He was a, but he a, could play left back when called upon by that stage. He did, and he ended up playing left back for for Newcastle a, a little bit. Um, I guess Iron Robin, Iron Robin was there a, a year longer than Duff. Um, Come on, Robin! You can't. Robin did well for. Robin Chelsea. was brilliant. Robin was brilliant. In and, his, and, and you said they end up in the boneyard. He ended up going to Real Madrid and ultimately becoming the Chelsea bone. The Chelsea boneyard. I mean, Jose Mourinho. Jose Mourinho sold him because he was like oh, this guy. Yeah, what is with this guy? He's I injured. Think, he's, he's always injured. I think his time at Chelsea was probably good for him though. In the long run. There might have been a bit of toughening up required. I know I've got the I've got a very John Terry type attitude here again, but there might have there been. been a bit, and I think he might have got toughened up there, at Chelsea. And ultimately, look at him now; he's Mister Durable. He is. I mean, he's a lot physically stronger now than he was. I mean, that was the problem they all had with him at Chelsea. He was, you know, the glass man. He was uh, he was missing a lot of games. But I mean, I, I remember when he his first season at Chelsea was his best. And when I say his first season, I mean like his first ten or eleven games. He played absolutely incredibly for them in the first few months of his Chelsea career in 2004. Then he got his foot broken um, in a match against Blackburn. Um, I'm trying to remember the name of the South African player who did it to him. Uh, and he, you know, he wasn't quite, he was sort of playing his way back to fitness after that. 
and never quite managed to hit the same heights again and became more and more, I think, um, as time goes on, as, as wingers in Justin Mourinho teams tend to, confused by the conflicting demands of, of what, they're, what they're supposed to be doing in the team. And on the one hand, they're, they're nominally an attacking player. There's a, you know, these guys are, are usually skillful uh, attackers who are used to scoring goals and pr- creating goals for what, you know, whatever teams they've been playing for. And suddenly now, the defensive aspect of the game is the only one the coach seems to be interested in. Probably not the half the part of the game that they've thought about so much before. Uh, Sean Wright Phillips. I mean, he's a guy they just bought, and he just, I mean, he, they just Move threw on, him yep. straight on the on the. On the hill. <laughs> Salman Kalou. He was a guy who who went there and became got lost into this attacking utility nowhere land. That that's what it is. It's like attacking utility nowhere land. That's what Jose Mourinho has in mind for a lot of these guys. You know the sort of John O'Shea problem where you can play in every position, but you never you spend so long doing that that you know. You kind of begin to wonder whether you might have been better just perfecting the position you were you were going to end up. I mean, he ends up being a centre half eventually, but just got moved around so much that that's what happened to Salman Kalou um, when he was a Chelsea player. Atsu never got in the team. Maybe he was just a financial fair play kind of hedge. To Brown, a Browning Man City going to buy this guy for eighty million euros. Eighty million euros. This is what the the local paper in Wolfsburg claims. Uh, the Wolfsburg Allgemeine Zeitung, apparently clued in to all things Wolfsburg, reckon City, uh, 80 million euros plus 50, uh, 16 million euros uh, a year is going to be the offer. So that's 80 million over five years. Uh, the offer to De Bruyne, which will eventually persuade Wolfsburg to sell him, couldn't get a look in at Chelsea. Played a couple of games. Marino didn't, didn't fancy, didn't like what he did. Salah. It was very important that Chelsea got Salah that time. Oh, what was the thing about Salah? Oh, yeah, Liverpool wanted to sign him. Liverpool wanted to sign him that that season, uh, you know, the start of 2014 when it, when Liverpool were unexpectedly high on the table. They wanted to buy this player. Um, whether he would have been any good for them, who can say? But Chelsea made sure there was no chance of anyone finding out by signing him and then almost immediately discarding him. I mean, he's, you know, he's one uh, matter. Well, I don't know what Juan Mata's problem was. I mean, I suppose maybe he played a bit too well for Chelsea, you know, when they won the Champions League when Mourinho wasn't there and when they won the Europa League when Mourinho wasn't there. Mourinho, incidentally, was on TV the other day. He was on BT Sport. I don't know if you saw any of this. Portrait of a Champion. Well, and Portrait of a Champion turned out to be a pretty boring interview with Justin Mourinho, which he never broke out of this, like, monotone. You know, He this. does that in interviews now, because I remember when he was interviewed by Claire Balding, I was looking forward to this. This would be interesting. And Ferguson had been interviewed by her the week before. It was really good. Ferguson really relaxed. Very funny. All that kind of. Mourinho was just... Bo- as though he was... I think you might have turned... Playing up to this sort of uh, personality that he's supposed to have. Rather than actually just talking naturally like a human being. He's forgotten how to do that. <laughs> yeah. He's he doesn't, it doesn't exist. That just doesn't exist there anymore. It's just this monotone. Like he's watching himself all the time. Um, but, you know... What was it he was saying? Oh, he was saying... Uh, <laughs> I mean, you have to admire the sort of just the malevolence in, of, of, him, of, of Mourinho in a way because it, who, I don't even know another manager that it would occur to to make this point. But he essentially claimed that it was a terrible thing for Chelsea that they won the Europa League in, was it 2013? Right. The, like, I.e. The, the last match, I guess, they played before he came back was Rafael Benitez's Chelsea winning the Europa League against uh, Benfica, I think, in the you know, final that was exciting enough. 
But Mourinho was kind of like that was like that was like a, t- a you know toxic. Like imagine Chelsea were made to swallow um, toxic waste. It was you know winning the Europa League for a club with the profile of Chelsea. Profile is Mourinho's favorite word. He uses the word profile to mean pretty much everything. But for a club with the profile of Chelsea to win the Europa League is like literally toxic. Why? Because it gave him a false I had sense to, of I had to undo earth. so much damage. You know, after after they won that competition, it's just not good for for a big club to be in that competition to win that competition. <laughs> absolutely going, you know, absolutely going the wrong way. You know, I really had to set a lot of people straight after that. So, and, and I'm, I'm just thinking, who else in the world would do that? Would would recast? Uh, I mean, this is something that, that this group of players, well, largely the same group of players, won. It's an achievement that they had. He wasn't there, so it's like a. He's actually saying it's a it's it's not it's a negative. It's not just not that important an achievement. It's actually a bad thing that happened, and then I had to I had to repair the damage. <laughs> it was amazing, but you know, uh, Mada obviously he was a part of those European title victories in 2012 and 2013. Mourinho yet to win a European title with Chelsea. There is a big difference also between some of those players you mentioned, the predecessors of Pedro and Pedro himself, Ken. Mm-hmm. And the difference is staring is literally jumping off my computer screen at me here. Yeah. At FC Barcelona, tweeting. Hashtag Gracias Pedro. Liga. And they've got five little trophies beside. UCL, Champions League, three trophies beside that. Spanish Cup, three of those. European Super Cup, three of those. Four Spanish Super Cups. And two World Club Cups. And he's generally scored in all those competitions. I saw, as, as Chelsea put that out, that he was the first player to score in... Where are they? First ever player to score in the Spanish League, Copa del Rey, Champions League, both the European and Spanish Super Cups, as well as the World Club Cup. My point being that he's already done it consistently at the highest level. He's been in the highest pressure games. Some of the players you talked about there, you know, you signed Solomon Kalou, he hasn't done it before. So mm. there's, they, they should have that banker that he's at least got the mentality to do it. Yeah, I mean, he, he is, uh, he, Pedro's a very good player. He the, the three European Cups that he's won, he he only played a minute in the first one. The second one, he scored the opening goal against Manchester United in 2011. Third one was the one just gone. Um, he he set up the goal for for Neymar at the end. He came on as a substitute in that. Um, yeah, he's a he's a he's a very good player. Um, but you're uh, still not convinced that. Well, look, I mean, he's you know he, we all know it wasn't Pedro who won all those trophies. You know, he was the guy who happened to be playing in the team with Lionel Messi. I'm sorry, but it's just <laughs> all the guys who play with Lionel Messi know that. You know what I mean? That was one of the points Mourinho made, actually. Uh, Mourinho reckons it's okay to praise Messi now because he's, there's been so many managers of Barcelona now that it's, he's not in danger of giving any one of them too much credit. One in particular. So he was saying, oh, you know, uh, I kind of, you know, uh, Messi, uh, three, he said three Champions Leagues, three different managers. I thought, that's not true. I mean, it was Guardiola for two of them. <laughs> but it is, if you could say he's won four Champions Leagues, then you could say three different managers because in 2006, he did play in that competition. He was an important player for them, uh, notably in the game when they knocked out Ch- Jose Mourinho's Chelsea at Stamford Bridge. Um, but he got injured and didn't ultimately play in the final. He had he had played an important role in the competition, but didn't wasn't part of the team that actually won the game on the day. Um, but that was for Rijkaard, then two for Guardiola, and then another one there for Luis Enrique. And essentially, Mourinho's saying, it's Messi who's winning them. It's not Guardiola. It's not Rijkaard. It's not Luis Enrique. It's Messi. I was, pr- I was particularly proud when I won the Champions League against Messi, uh, knocking him out with Inter. 
when I played when I played against Messi. This is, this is the way he talks, honestly. And um, when he retires, this is this is Mourinho's tribute to Messi. When he retires, the map of European football is going to change. I, Barcelona, can forget it for a few years. Uh, when we that was like the the warmest thing he could say. Yeah, you know when he goes. Barcelona go. <laughs> that was, that was, so there you go. But uh, the, the, another player there who I didn't actually even get to on this was uh, Andre Schürrle. He's a guy who's done it in big games, I think. Um, set up the winning goal in the World Cup final. Scored a couple against Brazil in the semi. Uh, scored a really, didn't he score a really important one in one of the earlier rounds? One of the knockout rounds. Almost Algeria. Schürrle scored one of those in one of those games. It was... Was it Algeria? Can you flick one in at the near post? I have a vague memory. I think oh, that was I'll have one. a little look here, Kenny. Um, By the way, Aaron, as I was also looking for that Blackburn player, Aaron McQuayne. Aaron McQuayne, yeah. That's the player who hatcheted them. Um, yeah, hatcheted? He, <laughs> he, Robin was running down the middle of the pitch and McQuayne came in with a big big flying tackle and landed on his, stood on his foot and that was it. But, you know, so just, just looking through the list of players, it's 12 players in 5.2 seasons. Uh, Mourinho likes to get rid of, well, he, li- he likes to use up Two of these guys a year. It, the fire had to be fed. And P- Pedro uh, is going to go. And hopefully, for his sake, he'll have a bit more luck than some of these guys. I mean, I think he could be good. I think he could be a very good player for Chelsea. I don't think he's really going to change a whole lot. I don't think he's a player like Eden Hazard. Eden Hazard is a notable absentee from this list of players who uh, also, you know, you could say are in that utility attacking zone. Um, but he's actually managed to deliver consistently match-winning performances, which not a lot of them have managed to have managed to do. They've not been able to combine. I think maybe Mourinho was actually treating him a little bit differently from a lot of these guys. I think Mourinho's actually looking at Hazard and saying, okay, I mean, I say that, and then again, I remember Mourinho attacking Hazard after they lost Atletico Madrid in the Champions League semi-final for losing his man, which he did. You know, Hazard didn't bother tracking back into the box, and Atletico scored as a result, and Mourinho wasn't happy. But I do think he's probably given him a freer hand than most of these guys in terms of Okay, Eden. If you if you're going to score nearly a goal a game for me, maybe I'd, I'm not going to need six tackles a game as well. That goal was against Algeria. Extra time. Algeria, yeah. Um, De Bruyne. We'll wait and see if that story, the the German newspaper story about 80 million euros, turns out to be true. I mean, it sounds like such an insane sum. Although you you do also have to factor in um, that the sterling euro exchange rate is quite different now from what it was even a year ago. It's 57 million pounds that equates to. Uh, 80 million euros sounds like such a gigantic um, sum. You know, the only signings, I think if you express it in euros that have been bigger than that are Bale, Ronaldo, and ultimately Neymar. I mean, the real Neymar cost, not the one that Barcelona announced. Um, so it would sound, is, is De Bruyne about to become the third most expensive player mm. in history? Um, but it turns out that, in fact, it's just a bit more than, than Fernando Torres cost okay. a few years ago. So... Yeah, I mean, this, the sums of money are kind of insane. Um, but this is kind of becoming the new sort of normal. Manchester City have also signed uh, Nicolas Otamendi, a 32 million euro George Mendes player from Valencia. But incidentally, Valencia and Monaco were playing the other night, and uh, at one point, 16 of the 22 players on the field were, uh, were signed to the club with the help of George Mendes. It's an interesting approach, Jax, because... Don't some super agents just go with their small stable of megastars? Mm. What's the name of 
Zlatan's agent again. He's got one of those super agents. Uh, Mina Raiola. Yeah, and no, I could be wrong on Mina Raiola, but I, I... Well, he's got a few, like, big-name guys, like Balotelli, notably, um, Paul Pogba, uh, Zlatan. Oh, so maybe it's not that small. Stage. Yeah, it, it, it's small enough. I don't think I don't think he's got... I mean, they're all pretty big-name players. Yeah. Um, I can't remember. I can't think off the top of my head who else, you know... Royal has, but he's got he's got a few. But I, yeah, I, I mean, just I'm just worried for Mendes. Guy. I don't want to spread himself too thin here. I enjoy Mendes. I I like the fact that his footballers buy him private islands for his wedding, uh, for his <laughs> wedding gifts. I just want him. I don't. I just think he could be taking on too much work. Romelu Lukaku is the other big client of uh, Mino Raiola. Um, but yeah, I, I mean, he does have an agency. He does have a whole agency. Um, George Mendes, just the future, just the future. Uh, so you're which, saying he's got a few other people working for him? Yeah, he's, so the the he, you know Mendes is he's he scaled the business. He mm-hmm. he really has scaled the business. It is true that what you say that some agents uh, just want to find a real. I mean, I, I remember I think we talked about him before. The guy he used to be the agent of Shaquille O'Neal. We went to see him at the Web Summit. Anyway, I can't remember the, the guy's name. He was a bit of a kind of a slickster. Uh, he was talking about how he he decided to just he just dropped everything and was just Shaquille O'Neal's agent. And he was like. What he's looking for is remarkability. Are you remarkable? And he figured that Shaquille O'Neal definitely was. Yeah, that's true. Uh, and then I, I, I thought, you know, I was listening to him. He's like, blah, blah, blah. It turned out he hadn't been Shaquille O'Neal's agent since about 15 years ago. <laughs> but I suppose the experiences were still relevant. But yeah, it was all about... Paul Stretford has been doing it with Wayne Rooney, for instance. A small number of clients. They make a lot of money, though. And, and that's how it goes. Um, Grealish? Grealish for Ireland? Greenish for Ireland is, is not dead yet, it turns out. Martin O'Neill was in town on Tuesday. And, you know, it wasn't as though... I mean, Greenish was supposed to really have said... Greenish, first of all, wasn't in the squad for these next two games. Um, Gibraltar and, and Georgia are the next two games that were played in the beginning of September. So he was supposed to say in September what he was going to do. And now it's, well, these games are in September and he's not in the squad. But it turns out Martin O'Neill had been to see him, at least... And they had a discussion which was fruitful, although Martin O'Neill did add, don't get carried away with fruitful. As in, I don't know, if, if people were to think fruitful meant like, you know, that we were optimistic of that it would be successful. Well, that's what I thought. I didn't read the qualifier. I only read his initial quote. Don't get carried away. I was getting carried away with fruitful. I assumed it was a done deal. Maybe they just had a couple of pink ladies, you know? <laughs> Um, he says, I thought the meeting went well. I might come out of this in 10 minutes and find out he's gone with England. But I wouldn't feel any worse about it. I, I think Martin O'Neill feels as though he's left it all out there. Yeah, he meeting went well. He couldn't have done more. He performed well. He got on well with the father, but can't make any guarantees. I think with his father, Jack, and his agent there, it was an opportunity for me to really put our own particular viewpoint over and just add a drop of realism to it all. He's a talented lad, as we all know. With a bit of luck, he would play more often for us than he would for England. But who knows? Now, I do hope that's not the only argument we're making to Jack Grealish. Uh, come play with us. Because we're much worse than England, you will play more games. Is that really... Is that? I hope that's not the only line of... Well, that's usually arguments. when you're trying to convince somebody to do something. There's no point telling the thing they already know Yeah. either. It's, it, I mean, they are well aware of what, why it's beneficial to them to play there. That's, it's, too, it's so obvious that it's almost not worth stating. Mm. Surely you want to say... You could throw it in there. You'll obviously play more for us than England, but what they don't know over England is we're building this mega team at the moment, ready to unleash it on the next World Cup qualifying campaign. This is going to be big. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> I, I don't think there's any way of, like, 
of of making him fooling him into thinking that until we've got that official cap on him. I'm not sure. I mean, one thing I, I don't know if Martin O'Neill makes these types of points or or if really he can bring it up. But remember Jack Grealish's holiday. Oh, when he got a little bit, we woke up in the middle of the road. He was he was photographed lying in the middle of the road. You know, he looked to be he he looked as though he was sleeping and. He was surrounded by the empty cigarette packets and stuff, and the sun was obviously coming up, and it looked as you know everybody was able to draw their own conclusions about what was going on, and became a big thing in the English media. Yeah. He's a Republic of Ireland player. They don't care. That doesn't happen anymore. Yeah. It really, it really doesn't. You know, I mean, in terms of the level of uh, press intrusion uh, into his life that he would face, it's going to be a hundred times more if he's an England footballer. And I mean, to be honest, I, if I was Jack Grealish. Or, you know, maybe Jack Grealish's dad, seeing as he, <laughs> I don't know, I mean, exactly what, what the dad really, really wants. But, you know, he does seem to be a, a big factor in this decision. I, I wouldn't necessarily be looking at the England team at the moment and thinking, wow, I can never get in that team. I'd be thinking, huh, I, you know, I've got every chance of playing for those guys. You know what I mean? I wouldn't be, uh, I don't think that they're so laden down at the moment with talent that, you know, there's three or four players blocking his path into the team. That's not, that's actually not the case. Mm. He plays well this season. He's in that team. Mm. He's literally in it, in the squad, certainly anyway. Um, if you're Martin O'Neill, though, would you be pushing that point? That you won't get, as, that those stories that you were involved in early in the summer, they just won't exist if you're playing for him? Well, look, I don't know. I think it's, uh, I mean, it, the, the flip side of that, of course, is that uh, sponsors don't give you quite as much money either, do they? Also, I mean, I'm did, sure that's something the agent would be well aware of. Didn't that story emerge from somebody just taking the photo of Jack Wilshire and putting it on putting it on Twitter? Jack Grealish of Jack uh, Grealish and put, yeah, Jack Wilshire a few few photos. Yeah, it's on, it's on Twitter, but nobody cares if it's an Irish player. Literally, no. Well, Irish cares. people will talk about it. Irish people, yeah, but you know, us can. So, he doesn't. Does he live in Ireland? You know. Um, he says, uh, but there was more from, from uh, mm-hmm. Martin. He says, uh, reading between the lines, both Jack and his father don't want it lingering that much longer. Um, so it's the start of a new season. He picked up a bit of an injury in hamstring. Then he might have come back too quickly and hurt the other one. But he's back playing now uh, at under 21 level. He scored against Derby. Um, I think where it's moved on from some months ago, or maybe this time last year, is that where he was trying to break into the Villa side, I think he feels he's made some sort of an impression there. And that sort of hurdle has been overcome. So I think it's now about the next step. So basically, it's time now. If you're going to play international football, it's time to yeah. declare your... Uh, exactly. Um, but uh, the question came up then of Stephen Ireland. Stephen Ireland, who, who was uh, fantastic for Stoke as they came back from 2-0 down against Tottenham. You know, which is not uh, an achievement to be underrated. People go, oh, Tottenham. You know, but not a lot of teams have been able to do that at White Hart Lane over the years. This this was impressive stuff from Ireland. Not uh, not going to blow away Martin O'Neill. He's going to need to see a bit more than this. Uh, the word that he used about uh, well, with Grealish, it was fruitful with Ireland, fitful. Mm-hmm. Um, he says, uh, he's come on against Spurs and made an impression. You can keep going on forever. But I, uh, I, someone has said, have you, has he failed to make the most of his talent? You'd have to ask him that. But it's been fitful. Um, so, yeah, essentially, maybe the implication there would be if Stephen Ireland was able to string together three months of good performances, then, well, then I guess we'd be in a long break from international football. So it'll have to be at least six months of good performances, and then maybe Martin O'Neill will uh, will revisit this issue. Well, I did see Ireland's performance, and I was 
uh, half thinking O'Neill might be asked about this, but I presumed everyone had forgotten, had dropped out at this stage. I suppose you run out of questions to ask Martin O'Neill at these press conferences mm. in the middle of uh, quite enough time. Yeah. So you got asked I mean, I don't, you know, who knows? Maybe Hans changed his mind. Should I talk about Celtic or anything else? Um, just the, uh, the weird comments from um, the Malmo players. Uh, last night uh, Celtic beat Malmo 3-2 which isn't a great result because Malmo have a really good home record in these um, Champions League qualifiers and right now you'd have to I would say Malmo are the favourites to go through knock Celtic out of the Champions League at this uh, stage but um, whatever happens uh, there's a bit of a little bit of beef uh, now going into the second leg because uh, the Malmo goalkeeper Vieland gave a bizarre interview afterwards I mean, maybe it could be one of those things that just sounds a bit weird when it's translated into into English. Because I I know that in the Scandinavian languages they do use this word a little bit more. A little, it's a bit more of a normal part of the discourse. But when the goalkeeper saying they're all pigs, every one of them, uh, I, when when you say it in, in Swedish, svina or whatever. It's not as bad. It's not as weird, I should say, as saying you know in English you describe someone as a pig. It's quite a <laughs> you, it's, you don't often hear footballers describing other footballers as pigs but what did they do to earn this uh, behaviour well you should try and stay cool on the football pitch lectures the Malmo goalkeeper well that's his approach he says as for Griffiths Lee Griffiths has scored a couple of goals so I don't know what to say he behaves like a child pulling all our players all the time uh, Rasmus Bengtsson uh, added his voice to this uh, they have a few players who like to talk obviously their captain Scott Brown is one they had a player on as a sub, Sifty, who said some things that weren't nice. As soon as he came on, the first thing he did was start talking. He had more focus on talking to us than concentrating on his own game. Mm. So, pretty sanctimonious stuff here from, from Malmo, uh, whose goal scorer, Burgett, uh, Young at Burgett, did play for Celtic uh, briefly and unsuccessfully. Now, sporting a proper Viking style beard and sort of shaved head combo, came back and laid waste uh, to Celtic Park. But. Um, was polite enough to his former teammates to say, I wouldn't go as far as calling them pigs. <laughs> so that's the way it is. Uh, Celtic uh, have it all to do, Owen, uh, if they want to play in the Champions League this season. That's it for Kennedy's report on sport. Mm. You remember my grandmother, no disrespect, when I used to get in trouble, she looked at me and said, hmm. And I knew a butt whooping was coming at the house. <laughs> I'm an alien. Think about it. Roy Jones is born. James, James, James Tony is born. Iran Barkley is born. But I'm telling you right now, I'm an alien. Tell me why I'm not. Explain why I'm here. I'm an alien. I should have been on this game 15, maybe 20 years ago, man. And then that's why I said I'm an alien. I'm an alien. Tell me why I'm not. Explain why I'm here. I'm an alien. But I'm telling you right now. I'm an alien. Did Google it and get your own information? I'm an alien. He should be gone. I'm an alien. Google it. I'm an alien. Mm. I'm an alien. alien. Richie Sadler is in studio. Richie, how are you? That's how you doing. We're doing great. Wanted to talk to you about the... Pedro transfer, which looks like it's going through today, to Chelsea after Manchester United looked like they had him wrapped up. Now, it seems to have happened here. Certainly, everyone's reporting that um, Pedro... Well, there was a bit of maybe dragging of the feet on Louis van Gaal's side, but largely 
Pedro heard one too many bad reports from his Spanish teammates about Louis van Gaal. Maybe Victor Valdez in particular, who was seem, seem, seemingly harshly treated by van Gaal and decided ultimately he would not join the club and go to Chelsea instead. Is that a worrying sign if you're a Manchester United supporter that your manager's personality or his treatment of one player seems to have put off another player from signing? Well, that's one version of events that's out Yeah, I'm definitely I'm taking all this as gospel yeah, for the purposes so of this conversation. For the purpose of this, we'll say it's absolutely nailed on that the reason he didn't go was because Van Hal is a bit of a dick, by all accounts. <laughs> that's what that, that, in a nutshell, that's what that okay, angle we're, we're, is. Okay, we're yeah. going with that angle. But well, just to, for the interest of balance, the, the other side like is that they're saying Van Hal had second thoughts yeah. and when the bidding went up to a certain amount, he thought, you know what, he's not worth it. I'm not sure he's the man it's after all. It's kind of ridiculous though. everyone is sort of like... Everyone involved in the transfer is like, well, you know, I didn't want to go there. It's I'll all it. face savings. Like, it's just, oh, yeah, well, I didn't really want it. If you don't get the outcome that at one point everyone thought you wanted, you say, well, I had a change of heart. I, 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 you know, I looked at the figures again or I looked at a different angle and actually this is the outcome I actually really wanted all along. The fact that Woodward went to Barcelona last week or we agreed personal terms or apparently Van Hal promised him a place in the team, explained where he would fit into the team. Apparently all that was for nothing out. They didn't really want him. <laughs> Ed, Ed Woodward doesn't go to Barcelona for no reason. Exactly. So, I mean, come on. Mm. So you wouldn't be concerned if it was the per, the Louis van Gaal angle to things? Well, I, I first of all, I don't think people should be that surprised if it's that. Because we see glimpses of him in press conferences and there's a, there is an aspect to him which he just... You think, well, would I really enjoy playing for him? And and it's really common. I don't know how aware people are of. It's really, really common that if you're considering, if you've more than one option, you'd, you'd certainly ring the people at the clubs to find out a little bit of a steer about the reality of what's it like. Obviously, you've your wages and your personal terms. The clubs have to agree on the figure. But assuming all that's done, like you, you have to, it just makes sense if you know someone. Like, everyone does it. If you're offered a job down the road and you know someone working there, you ring them and say, what's it like? Yeah, but I only want to hear... I I only would call someone for advice if I thought they were going to tell me what I wanted to hear. <laughs> so I don't want to hear... I don't want someone to, you know, rain on my parade. Um, I mean, if you, in, this, in this instance, say Victor Valdez, he's obviously fallen out with um, Van Gaal. Mm-hmm. So if you ring up Victor Valdez, he's probably not going to say, oh, yeah, Louis Van Gaal's a great guy. And if he says, Louis van Gaal is a, is a terrible manager, I can't believe, I'm like Rapunzel here, I can't escape from this place, he has me locked up in this jail. You're kind of, you have to take that with a pinch of salt as well. You know, it's like, well, maybe, maybe he is, or maybe it's just Victor Valdez doesn't get on with him. I mean, you know, how, how can you be sure that someone else's opinion of the situation is going to also be how you feel about well, it? Well, you, you can't be sure, and you would assume... That if you're ringing someone like Valdez, knowing what's happened between Van Hal and Valdez, you're only going to get w- one kind of a. You're going to get one version of what Van Hal is like or his ability to deal with players. I assume if you ring, you ring someone else, you get a completely different one. But like, are we are we taking it here that that was the main reason he went? Uh, if I was like, if I knew, let's say, all, all, everything else was equal, and which apparently and not apparently Chelsea offered better terms. That's that's one of the stories I've read. Let's assume all the other things are equal. Wouldn't it make sense that you'd probably prefer Chelsea? I, I would. Maybe I'd prefer... I mean, it's just my own thing. I would prefer to work for Mourinho, albeit you don't know if he's going to be in the job in a fortnight. Mm. But let's assume he is. I, I would prefer to join 
Mourinho's Chelsea now than Van Hal's United. Mind you, if you decided to take up the phone to Juan Mata, another one of your international teammates, if you're Pedro, and you asked Juan Mata, hey, what's it like under Mourinho there? You played under mm. him at Chelsea. <laughs> he mightn't give you two glowing uh, recommendations. That's true. And I'm sure Mata, whatever he thinks of Van Hal. The, the other thing about it is that if I say if I was Juan Mata, mm. right, I'm, I'm out, I'm like walking around the old industrial centre of Manchester taking photographs and putting them on Instagram. And then the phone rings and it's Pedro. And he's like, hey, you know, I'm just thinking, like, I've got an offer from Man United. You know, I'm just thinking maybe, you know, what you know, what do you think? I would say, yes, Pedro, uh, this is an amazing club with amazing supporters. Uh, you have a great feeling every time you go out into that stadium. And Mr. Van Hal is a very good trainer. And we're all, we're all as one. And, you know, you should come. Basically, because I'm thinking, Pedro in the team is good for me. Mm. I would rather, well, I mean, okay, maybe I'm, after I've, thought to myself, is Pedro in my position? Yeah. No, I can't yeah. um, But, you know, assuming that Pedro is a, is a quality addition to the team who I don't think is going to take my place, which maybe is, is by no means certain with Juan Mata, I, might, uh, I would be like, yeah, it's great. You know, you love it here. Mm. I mean, who cares what he actually thinks of it once he's here? It's better to have a good player in the, in the team than not. Yeah, you would do because assuming you're going to, it's not going to directly threaten your place in the team, you want better players to come, but Valdez obviously is leaving, he's no interest, he might want to get put the final boot into Van Halen, he said what he said, but um, again, there's probably more aspects to this than simply the personality of, of the manager. Would you not be concerned with Mourinho's personality, or particularly the way he's behaved in the last couple of weeks? I, mean, I assume Pedro's over there following the Ava Carnera story and the, the story of the uh, physio also. Maybe he's not. Maybe he's not paying a huge amount of attention to that. But you said Mourinho is somebody who, as a player, you'd be happy to play for. Are there not signs that Mourinho's cracking a little bit early on this season? And you could actually, if you join Chelsea this season, you could be joining a sinking ship. There are many, many signs yeah. that Mourinho is that at the moment. But uh, do you think there are signs that he's cracking as opposed to just simply usual Mourinho early season stories, controversies? They all seem really avoidable. They all seem to be of his own creating. Um, like, particularly the one with the medical team, that, that just, it was just really bad management. He really handled the situation poorly, even in the press conference afterwards. And, like, we've seen him before, like, kind of unnecessarily kind of pick fights with people. But I know you, you've talked about this in previous podcasts. Like, it's a... F- what is it, Martinez, Wenger, Benitez, Benitez's wife, um, the, the the medical team, possibly John Terry. He, he's, he, he's taking on a lot of people in a very short space of time. And if one of them is Roman Abramovich, which if we're trying to read between the lines of his public comments recently, if he's trying to put pressure on Abramovich to, to, to spend money or whatever, which maybe has worked in the Pedro deal, um, you would assume that's one opponent too many if he mm. takes on Abramovich so if his private kind of behaviour is similar to what he's doing what we're seeing of him of him in public which is just a scattergun approach everyone's everyone's getting it um, he could be gone within the month absolutely he could be gone within a month which maybe then but you, you're trying to we're, we're trying to like put our head in, in, in Pedro's position and you're trying to imagine first how will I get on with Van Hal or how will I get on with Marino or will Marino even be there well, getting the team, which style of play suits me. So you chuck all those into a pot. I assume money is a big thing as well at that level. So um, the managers and the personality of the managers is only one aspect, though. It's a pretty considerable one once you're in the job. It's the main one. What do you think the impact would have been on the other Chelsea players when Mourinho announced that uh, John Terry was coming off at halftime in that game? I'd love to have been there. 
Yeah. I'd love to have seen it because it's, it's, a, it's a phrase he's never said and that's awesome. John, thanks. <laughs> <laughs> you're, you're, you're good. You're, you're, your day is done. Um, apparently, he we haven't heard that he reacted particularly poorly. I, I, I wouldn't imagine he, he did do, but it's a lot of Mourinho's comments in the summer, particularly when he was trying to justify the lack of spending. He was saying things like, well, what we've got to do, what we did last year is not going to be good enough because the other, squ- other squads have been strengthened. So last year's performance level from the players was good enough last year. It won't be this year. So maybe this is it's just a- a- another following on from that. They said, listen, I'm going to really make an example of someone here. John Terry isn't guaranteed his spot, but I don't know. You were trying to work out what's in the mind of Mourinho, particularly at the moment, Mourinho seems to be acting bonkers. So trying to put sense into it is is a difficult thing to do. It sounds to me like John Terry probably didn't react badly because there's enough going on at Chelsea at the moment that you would think that that might leak out, that Terry would like Mm. for it to leak out maybe himself or that somebody in there would have felt empowered enough that if I really want to put a bit of pressure on, I'll just let this one go. And nothing did come out about that. Certainly he looked okay in the sideline. Uh, maybe John Terry's a big enough man that he can take punishment substitutions like the leader that he is kind of, I don't know yeah um, maybe I mean I suppose he was probably a bit a bit surprised and uh, usually the reaction to a kind of setback is, is kind of to, to be you know stony silence you know that's the kind of that's usually the way you know if you let in a, a goal you know you see you see fans when a goal goes in a very disappointing goal against the team they don't seem to they don't react at all you know what I mean? There's just this stillness. Maybe that's what John Terry did. I don't, I don't know. I mean, um, I'm sure it's not all he did as the week went on, but it probably is what he did at that time. Wayne Rooney struggling for form, but not remaining silent about it. Well, this is the thing about it, Richie. I was wondering what you made of this, because, I mean, the thing about Terry is that, okay, maybe it could be like, uh, you know, okay, I'm going to show them because I'm, I'm going to take down, I'm going to shoot the Chelsea Lion. Uh, <laughs> I'm going to drag the Chelsea Lion off the reservation and shoot him. Uh, you know, in full view of all the other uh, uh, line cubs, and you know, see see what effect that has on the dressing room, or uh, it could just be that John Terry, being as he is thirty five on the seventh of December, is maybe getting a little bit slow and can't get close to Sergio Aguero anymore. It happens to everyone eventually. Is it happening to Wayne Rooney yet? Uh, Wayne Rooney. Um, I mean, the, the interesting thing about the Pedro deal was that uh, the Manchester United fans who I heard talking about it, and I was listening to Talksport for a while yesterday on. That's okay. I'm proud yeah. of it. I was listening to Talk Sport. I was listening to a phone in. Proud of it, yeah. There was uh, there was a lot of Man United fans ringing in, and they were all saying, essentially, we don't care. We didn't never wanted Pedro anyway. He's he's not that good. We don't need him. Mm. Uh, we are Man United, mm. and it was uh, and and no one really seemed particularly bothered by the by the fact they lost out on this guy. Should they be given the fact that Ro- the way that Rooney's been playing this season, he's come out and said. Um, the goals will come. I've had one bad game. Everyone's on my case. But um, I don't know. He hasn't scored since April now, I think. I think United fans should be concerned if the transfer window shuts and no one comes in. Because uh, fair enough, they can they can all say that. You know, Pedro, we didn't rate him, didn't like him. Now Chelsea can have him. We didn't want him. Um, but if... Like, they need someone else other than Rooney. And I heard Van Hal. He, he said, you know, we've got Hernandez, Wilson... Come on, like that. If you're aiming, if you're serious about winning the big trophies, you're very light up front with Wayne Rooney, particularly Wayne Rooney playing as he as he is at the moment. He's had spells like this before, where like I don't even think 
you know, sometimes you can look at a player and say, well, maybe if you adapt the formation or put him in a dis- different system, you'll get more out of him. But watching Rooney in the first two league games, he just, like his first touch was bad. He just seemed sluggish and he was making poor decisions and passes were going astray. That's not, that's not a positional thing. That's not a, well, you know, if we, if we played him in a front two or if we, he just seemed way off the pace. Yeah, we're talking, it's like, it's like, it's like the, you know, the, the goal... Kyle Walker scored for Man United the own goal, the Tottenham uh, own mm. goal against Man United. Yeah, I mean, Rooney, <laughs> I don't know how long Rooney wanted to take that chance. Yeah. But you know, like Rooney is Rooney is on top form. He just puts the ball into the net first time without even thinking about it. It's a simple enough ball, but instead he tried to control it and was sort of looking at the goalkeeper, and it was ridiculous. You know yeah, what I mean? He, was, he's looking hesitant and nervy, and he, he doesn't look like he's playing with confidence. Difficult thing to judge from this distance, but like you look at his performance, you compare him to what he has done in the past. Um, absolutely, United are very light up front if they get through this window and they haven't bought a big a, a big name centre forward. Well, a point that was raised uh, on the show on Monday was that Rooney. The difference between Rooney and someone like Ryan Giggs is that Rooney was first touch was never necessarily his thing. I mean, he he produced some great moments. But and then you might have raised this point, Gannon. Maybe it was John Bruno who we were speaking to. He produced, always produced great moments from when he was young. A lot of it was based on the power that he had and the speed that he had back then. And now that that's ebbed away, maybe this, the the minor technical flaws are a little bit more pronounced. That uh, not that the guy doesn't have a high skill level, but that he doesn't have necessarily a killer first touch like some of these other players have. Because Giggs is another player who people assumed wouldn't last. That long, if you remember early on in his career, it's, oh, this this guy's amazing. I mean, presumably he'll burn out pretty young, and he ends up going on to these forty years of age. Whereas Rooney, he's only twenty nine, and so Terry's thirty four. I mean, Rooney should be should have five years before he gets to Terry's age, albeit Terry's a centre half. Well, if that if that is the case, then it's even more pressing that United replace him yeah. or, or look to, to to add a strike to the squad because you can't reverse that. If if it's an if it's a, the the aging process is what's the issue here, and the power and the explosive pace that he had when he was younger. If that's now on the wane, throw in then, as you call it, the minor technical stuff. Would you agree that he has those minor te- technical deficiencies or should he be good enough that he could reinvent himself? It could, it could be that we're writing Wayne Rooney off now. And we've do, we've another, done it before, though. Like, yeah, and he, he's been for a few years. years yeah. like he's, he's gone through spells where you look at him and go, he's nothing like what he used to be. Mm. And we, we all, at that time, the, obviously there was the transfer request, the couple of occasions we said maybe his, or the stuff with his, his personal life. And so, well, well, that's the context, that's the background, so it's affecting his performance. There were reasons that I, I remember anyway, giving him a bit of a break in the past. We're not aware of any reasons at the moment. He's just playing really badly. Mm. Right him off to where again? Um, I, I'm not sure. Um, I don't know. I mean, I don't really understand what it is that he's supposed to do these days. How do you mean? Where, does he, where is he supposed to play? What's his best position now? Up front. Up front. But like, I, do, I think if you're, if you're going to be a front player... You need to be a bit more mobile than he now is. I, you know, I look at the, the big sort of thick legs that he has and think to myself, is he really, is he, I, I feel a bit, a bit sorry for him in a, in a position that he's been asked to run around a great deal. You know what I mean? Um, and, and the way that Manchester United are playing at the moment, he's, he's, he's having to do that as a centre forward. Um, has that not always been one of his other big strengths, though, as well as being explosive and quick as he used to be? Certainly always very explosive. That he's always worked on. He's had no problem with that, whereas a lot well, of strikers, you really have to convince them, you know, you actually have to chase these guys down, whereas yeah. Rooney's one guy, maybe to his detriment, almost too much, is willing to do the donkey work. No, he has. He has been. That's true. And he, he's, he's, he's always... I mean, he hasn't really had a problem. It's funny for a guy who's, who's carried 
extra weight from time to time. Um, he has usually covered a lot of distance on the field. Um, but you, you said the word explosive there. He's not explosive. No, I think he was explosive. Yeah, he's, he's, he's totally lost that. So, I mean, he's kind of, he's got a, he, he can jog around a bit, but <laughs> I don't think it's, it's not going to worry too many defenders. Mm. He's not, he, he can't go past guys anymore. So what does he do? Is, is he supposed to play further back up the field? Apparently Van Hal doesn't think that anymore. Van Hal tried that last season and wasn't too impressed with what he saw. And Rooney also agrees he's better off playing centre forward. But they're kind of playing the sort of football that not really a lot of, there's not a lot of balls into the box. Mm. Remember when he scored lots of goals, um, the 2010 season, he scored, you know, 34 goals. And he, again in 2012, they were doing, they were playing a different type of game. There's a lot of crosses. Remember he scored all these headers. He he, had, he got into this routine where he was like slapping his bald head. He was one of the few players who did, bald reason, head. did reasonably well for Moyes, for David Moyes. Yeah, he did. He did okay. Because he was probably, maybe, did he not? I never thought he did that well for Moyes, to be honest. I mean, he did, he, he didn't do as terribly as some of the other guys. But he signed a new contract while Moyes was there, him. and that was good <laughs> for Moyes. That was about the only positive development. He he did very well under David Moyes in in that sense. Yeah. He 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 entrenched his, himself and firmed up his his power base. But you know. When 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 he scored lots of goals in centre forward, they were crossing the ball. It was like Valencia crossing it and Giggs and whatnot, playing balls into the box. They don't really do that now. Mm. Uh, I don't really understand what, how he's supposed to play. I mean, he's not. He can't run through onto a through ball. Um, he can't go past the man anymore. I don't really see him scoring a lot of goals the way this is set up. Do you think, like what age is he when he got in the Everton first team? Was he sixteen? Yeah, sixteen. So uh, yeah. he he's been first team footballer at that level. This is his thirteenth, maybe fourteenth season. Yeah, it was the two thousand and two, two thousand and three season that he that he made his league debut in. I think. Yeah. So, so that's you know you were saying that he's only twenty nine. Like, if you're in your thirteenth season or fourteen, particularly when you've the style of play that Rooney has, which is all action and all of those things we, we've spoken about, it is possible that he, he's now at the stage of his career where we normally would imagine, say, someone when there's thirty two or three or four, we see you know he's been around a long time or whatever because Rooney has been around a lot longer than most people who who gets in the first team at 16 there isn't many no particularly I getting into the first team and being as physically developed as he was exactly. and being relied upon from the exactly. very start making, making your big big money transfer yeah. at age 18 or whatever exactly. it is alright Richie great to have you in the studio thanks me. cheers lads in the final and on it again and the
There is probably one point worth making, Ken, just to go back on Manchester United missing out on Pedro, whether or not they really wanted him. You would imagine that they did, otherwise why were they linked so heavily with him and why was Ed Woodward over visiting all these various clues to, that indicate... Uh, bring, that us back, uh, bring us back one of them uh, gaudy lizards. <laughs> uh, uh, you know, I, I don't know what he was doing. Who knows what he was doing there? Uh, it's worth bearing in mind that they, that Depay looked very good the other night. Schweinsteiger settling in, Darmian doing yeah. all right, Schneiderlin's in there. Yeah. So I think if this had happened the other way around chronologically, yeah. everyone would be talking about how well Manchester United have done the transfer market as like they were a couple if, of months ago. If you mean they'd gone for Pedro first and then they'd mm. managed to sign... Yeah, then miss him, then signed all these players. Mm. Wow, they've really done their business. Okay, it was a little late, but they got their business done. Whereas now it just feels like this is the last thing that's happened in the transfer market unless they pull something else out of the bag. Well, I think that's probably true, actually. Um, I mean, it is there. there is that sort of amnesiac quality to, you know, sports journalism, which you kind of do tend to focus on what happened in the last 36 hours. We were hours. literally doing pieces about three or four weeks ago about how Ed Woodward was the king of the European yeah. transfer market. Yeah, zero gravity Woodward. <laughs> yeah. Always uh, be closing or whatever. And now he's... Sure, those were those fallow summer months as well where you kind of need to find something to talk about. Yeah. Um... I mean that, yeah. Uh, he, uh, I, I, I do agree with that. I think overall they have done. I think overall they have done pretty well. But you know what? I, what sometimes I, I just think there's a, so much spin going on that it's kind of, it's dispiriting in a way. Like, oh, we didn't want Pedro. Of course they wanted him. You know, what I mean, it's just nonsense. And then this this story of a bid for Mane, which which comes out sort of immediately. But then it's like, oh, by the way, that was last week. We were, we were asking about him last week. But it's kind of put out in the immediate aftermath of the Pedro, um, of everyone finding out that, oh, the Pedro deal has been not hijacked. I mean, it's not like we wanted Pedro. It's not as though Chelsea have have, have seized the player that we wanted uh, and managed to persuade him to join them instead. Uh, what about Mane, though? What a player he is. And, and suddenly it's sort of, oh, you know, look over there. Everyone talking about that, you know. It's kind of like, what's going on here? You know, it's mm. just... Uh, I don't know why there has to be so much nonsense involved around it, but I suppose, I suppose it, go, it goes back to what we were talking about. Ed Woodward is in a, is in a position which a guy in his position used to be able to just go about his business. Nobody would recognize him. You know, he'd walk, he'd he'd be sitting in the airport. No one would know who he was. You know, he'd be able to do all this stuff in pretty much a fair degree of privacy. Uh, you know, the, the the manager would would recognize his face, probably some of the players too. But it wasn't as though he, there was thousands of people tweeting about what an idiot he was on Twitter. You know what I mean? So maybe when you when when you um, kind of consider the much greater profile that he has, th- then comes with that the need to feel as though he's managing the situation or trying to win the PR battle, a PR battle which previous generations of people like him never even had to fight. All right, well, it's just about time to wrap things up, I think, on that note, Ken. There's no Rugby World Cup warm-up game for Ireland this weekend, but if you want to keep the build-up ticking over, you should listen to our latest podcast featuring... Simon chatting to Ireland's key player Johnny Sexton you can listen to that through all the usual channels Channels, if you're on iTunes do rate the podcast and leave a comment about it if you can because they just like that sort of thing thanks very much Ken thank you too thanks very much for listening and we'll talk to you soon take care
Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. If you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. Use the Stamps.com mobile app to mail everything you need to keep your business running with up to 89% off USPS and UPS. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Use code PROGRAM for a special offer. That's Stamps.com, code PROGRAM.